0: there. Welcome to Did I Talk Too Much? A Gret Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Wertz. Hello there. Welcome to Did I Talk Too Much? I'm Jenna Wertz, your host, and I'm joined here with two lovely ladies, Lisa Ingram and Sarah Schwartz. Um, Give a guess i'm keeping the same intro as last time (laughs) why why is my gut give a little hello
1: Hello.
0: (laughs) i like it it's encouraging give a little hello yeah Yeah. Yeah. give your what's like your favorite greeting when you think about it instead of just like hey or hi i think howdy is fun that is a fun one greetings is my go-to
1: greetings
0: like when you think about it because normally for me it's just like hey (laughs) yeah like the christian like Hey. Yeah, it's, especially especially on campus. Hi. Literally. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. And you know what? I have nothing against the nice Christian girls that can do it, but it's just not. I just can't. I <laughs> can't do it if it's how, not your personality. It's like, yeah. How are you? I'm like bad. Then, <laughs> no. I saw this someone yesterday. They were like, "Oh." I was like, "You asked You asked yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Such a deep question we ask people, right? It's so casually. <laughs> like, yeah. like how how are you? Yeah. Like. Eh. It's fine. Anyway, we're here today to talk about purity culture. And we have Miss Sarah here because in 2014, she gave an After Dark chapel, arguably the best chapel. Um, I'm like not you, just the chapel. Oh, okay, stuff. I was like, all right, let's see yeah. the,
1: the one of the eight. It is the the best of the eight.
0: The best <laughs> weekly chapel. Yeah. Although this was one of my favorite chapels to listen to. Mm-hmm. Wish I could have gotten credit, considering I'm a few
1: weeks behind. <laughs> um, I'll write you a note. Oh, and see if somebody her, will accept it.
0: That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I literally <laughs> engaged with it, wrote like a paper about it. <laughs> yeah, basically. you did. So that's what I'm, saying. I'm like, somebody. I'm like, Lisa, go go back to Yeah. <laughs> If you guys didn't know, Lisa used to work in s- spiritual development. Spiritual yeah. development. Yep. Um, I'm going to have... I have some questions for Sarah. So what did you study at Biola? And when did you graduate? And then what are your top two memories in undergrad? Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. So I was... For my undergraduate career, I was a communication studies major, and I graduated in twenty thirteen. And then I did my MA at Talbot in theology, and graduated in twenty seventeen. Um, it's funny, actually. My first, when I think of top two memories, I was the director of a program that I'm pretty sure doesn't exist anymore. Um, uh, so it was called Student Orientation Services SOS. It's, yeah, a, it's still there, okay, yeah. but it's pretty different. It's different. Okay, it is yeah. a different. It's it's different than it used to be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I was the student, one of the student directors of SOS, and that was one of my highlights of my undergraduate career. Um, I was just with my co-director, who is still like a very mm. dear friend. We were just at a wedding together. That's so funny. Um, yeah. Uh, so that was definitely a highlight. Um, and, uh, and just last night, I was out having dinner with um, some incredible women that I went to Biola with. I met the... Smartest, strongest, funniest, um, wisest women here, and the, who are still my dear uh, confidants and friends, and whom I would be lost without. So, yeah, I'd say those were my
0: those are my two highlights. Oh, wow, so heartwarming. Thank <laughs> you for sharing. Well, let's just hop right into our topic. So, if you don't know what purity culture, the purity movement is, I doubt you don't. But I think it's a little bit more. We were joking about millennials um, before this, but I think it's more of that generation just mm-hmm. because, like, you reference in your um, talk about how it started with, like, kids in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of trickled in, but I feel like by the time I was at youth group, they were a little bit past that where they addressed it and were like, you're not just, like, a crumpled up rose or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, but I, there's still the residual yeah of that i think that we're still seeing and so that's why it's still relevant and something that we want to talk about um but yeah so i have some context written out that i'm going to read for you guys uh so the purity movement was born as a response to the sexual revolution and so sarah talks about this and she basically explains like conservatives feared that christians would latch on to the sexual revolution this was kind of introduced within youth groups in the 90s and then it started kind of coming up out of people when they began deconstructing in like the early 2000s and later on like i'll even just see like TikToks people talking about like oh yeah i was told this like at a summer camp i went like they weren't christian maybe but they just like went to camp and then they were told this and like their only thing that they gleaned from that is just like oh as a woman like i'm just an object which is what you get into later here Okay. First question. So coming up on almost exactly six years later. Because it was like end of October. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Six years. Also the bangs looked great. Not (laughs) saying your hair doesn't look good now, but I was I was admiring them in the video. Thank you. Thank Um, you. What would you say differently now, like if you were giving it tonight? What would you maybe expand or leave out?
1: Wow, that's a really good question. Um Yeah, so I I just watched it this morning to re-familiarize myself with it. Um, And I'm not going to lie, I was pretty impressed with that. (laughs) How old am I now? So I would have been like 25 or something. I was like, this was well done.
0: It was really good. I was very surprised you did it so young.
1: We'll link it to the notes right Oh, of
0: course. I will post a little clip of it on our Instagram. Don't even sweat it.
1: And as an aside, it makes me very uncomfortable to be like, I was really good at that because girls aren't supposed to think or say that. Um, Oh, you can't affirm the compliments. Then you're what you say, is selfish exactly, (laughs) or arrogant, prideful. But like there are lots of things I'm not good at. That is a thing I am good at. Um, So all that to say. Um, And so I it is interesting. So in 2014, I really feel like that was when even because now you say things like purity culture and people have a reference for what you're talking about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. honestly in 2014 people were like what does that even mean so it, yeah. it was it was a l- more groundbreaking then because My generation was genuinely operating under this idea of um, your virginity is a gift you're giving your spouse. And so if you give it away, like, you're screwed. So it it really – like, I had a – and I don't say this as, like, because I was so good. I had a line of people waiting to talk to to me Mm -hmm. afterwards. I say it because, like, there was so – there was so much damage done with that um, messaging that I had a – like, I probably talked to, like, 30 students that night um, because there's just – there's so much shame and damage wrapped up in that messaging. And this was maybe some of the first time that they'd ever heard, like, oh, if I've had sex or, oh, if I've been abused, um, I'm not broken and damaged and yeah. dirty. Um, so I, I, I stand by, like, the majority of that. of As you should. Of that message and and, and how I talked about things. I think now I definitely am. And I, I do give a slight reference to this, but I'm definitely more aware of now um, the number of same-sex attracted biolins and and non-binary violins um, who, so people who wrestle with their sexual orientation or their gender identity. And I think I, if I could go back and alter anything, I would probably be more inclusive because I do make the point in the talk that this idea of like your virginity being this like creepy gift that you're giving someone um, is really exclusive, right? To like cis like straight people but this idea that we're stewarding our sexuality um as part of our sanctification is broad and inclusive and it's a story big enough for everyone so if i could go back and do anything different i think i would just hit that a little harder um that that this story of like us submitting our sexuality to the lordship of jesus is big enough for all of us
0: yeah that's not just something for if you're straight that's something um that's inclusive for everyone, because Christians, I think, to people who struggle with their sexuality, their answer is just like, just be single for the rest of your life and don't have sex. Mm-hmm. But then we treat those people like they are half a person mm-hmm. when they're in church or single people. Right. So it's just it's very interesting that the solution we offer is like terrible. And then we're like, why aren't more people Christian? Right. When you're just like, well, you you're not like you can be like hey i have to steward my sexuality too yeah mm-hmm. and are actually actively doing that's a way different
1: conversation mm-hmm. and this conversation too in 2014 was pre-me too um
0: mm-hmm. so i think
1: i think I, well i mean i did talk about the story i told was of a friend who was a survivor of sexual assault and so yeah i mean granted you only have like 25 minutes so you can't talk about everything but even now it would be a different audience and a different message because we are in like a post me too church too mm-hmm. um where which we are all more versed, not perfectly, but in understanding dy- dynamics of sexual assault and consent. I probably would have talked more about like how, like a Christian sexual ethic is, where like consent is at the very tippity top. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, understanding that all of that anyone we interact with is made in the image of God and deserves like our our respect and 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 love uh, in the ways that we interact with them. So that probably be the other thing I would include.
0: Hundred percent. I'm like, let Sarah back for another <laughs> chapel talk, please. I kind of forget. That's a really good point that it's post me too, because it. that was when I was a freshman in high school. Hmm. And so I feel like I've always been yeah. very, like I've just kind of, which is a privilege that I've always been like, oh, I, this is comfortable. Not comfortable, but this is something that can be talked about mm-hmm. and it, people aren't going to be like, oh, don't talk about that. You know what I mean? Like it's the environment I was in. It was encouraged to have those conversations. So it's super interesting that that like was before or that was like after this yeah. which makes it even more groundbreaking so great job oh, thank you um, my next quote this isn't really a question it's just kind of a thought and i want to hear from both of you um, we just have Lisa, <laughs> Lisa vibing with us in here. Enjoy. Um, so I have, most sins are framed as mistakes and they don't get like the purity metaphors. Mm-hmm. Like the chewed gum. I think of the crumpled up rose. If you guys have seen Jane the Virgin. Yep. When she is like the rose and it's like crumpled. <laughs> that TV show is so good. Yeah, Unrelated. Very good, yeah. But when she's like crumpling up the rose and I feel like that's just like a good image where then she has it like hanging on her wall and it's just like this like huge like object and just... It's just very interesting that, like, we put sexual sin in, like, a different category that's almost, like, outside of grace, which is for women specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I just kind of want to hear your guys' thoughts about maybe why you think that is and also commenting on, like, the damage that that does to women.
1: I think the thing that I understand more now than I did in 2014 is that so much of it has to do with, at least in my estimation, this idea that women are a thing to be consumed. Mm. Right? So, because in the act of like, let's like, the thing we talk about consumption with mostly is food, right? So, like, when you consume food, like, it's gone, (laughs) right? And so, we have the same type of lens to talk about like women's bodies that, like, if they're consumed Mm. by a man who isn't a spouse or whatever then there's like nothing left to give. Does that make sense how totally this makes strange sense. like it's almost like money or food the way that we talk about like limited resources Limit, it's a limited resource mm-hmm. and it also has to do with um, ownership right mm. so it's like it is that it weirdly plays into this idea that like well if someone else has had sex with a woman, then her husband doesn't get to own her in the future because he wasn't the first one to have sex Does that make sense? Like, yes. I, but it is this odd idea of ownership mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that we don't apply to men. So, like, we might still be like, oh, sexual sin, guys, it happened. But they're not damaged in the same way because we don't view men as objects to be consumed mm-hmm. by their partners. Um, Very interesting. Very so, yeah, I of a, a lot of it of to do with – of even – think about this idea you know with the whole like purity balls which were really a thing in the 90s like it was this idea that like if you were a woman your dad owned your sexuality before your husband did right Ooh, so like your dad was like safeguarding weird. it it's that's so super, pro- it's like that's super weird problematic doesn't even begin to touch it wait wait purity balls oh like honey a Honey, 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 not sit a down and let us tell you I a little you were, thing I thought you were talking about like a playing with a ball. Okay, Lisa, <laughs> no, Lisa, you want to take this one? No, no. Go ahead. Have fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> purity balls might still be a thing. I don't know. In certain circles. They were this dance that dads would take their daughters to, and daughters would be dressed in white. And it mm. was like they would sign this three-by-five card about how, don't worry, Daddy, I'm not going to you know, lose my purity before you hand me off to my future husband which is it's assume, giving cattle it, like it, it's giving cattle it's assuming it's a lot ownership. of things yeah. and uh-huh. so i think a, a lot of the reason why we view like young women as damaged in a way that we don't young men even if they have the same level of sexual experience or sexual sin is because like women don't have autonomy outside of their relationship to a man <laughs> and so they're defined by their relationship or lack thereof to men mm-hmm. and that's why we view that we're like men are just people Men men get to be people who aren't necessarily defined in their in relationship to anyone else.
0: I love what you said in your talk about how you were saying like we're reducing women to objects, Mm -hmm. just like the world does. Yes.
1: Can you tell me more about that? Yes. I okay. So I grew up in. uh, I went to Christian school K through twelve. I went here and I went to grad school here. So I did it all. Um, And I like just even think about. Growing up, the whole message was, you know, we don't we don't objectify the the we don't objectify women like the world does. Like Victoria's Secret models are always like the go-to. Oh yeah. So this idea that like oh that's a thing the world does with like Victoria's Secret models, but my entire life growing up in in the faith, which I still hold dear, uh, but it's not without some nonsense that I've had to work through, um, was that I that women were still sexual objects, but in this way that you needed to be hidden away right like mm-hmm. so it's, like i have a large chest so like and that hit me early in life and so the number of times that i was told i needed to go like change an outfit or that like i was leading someone to stumble or um or you know one piece swimsuits at summer camp only that type of situation is still objectification of women because you're like whether you are valuing a woman or defining her in her like a your desire to have sex with her or her not having sex with you is still, um, you're still objectifying, but you're just on opposite ends of the spectrum. You're Mm -hmm. still treating a woman like a sexual object. Like in this talk, I talked about the research about um, a a researcher who found that young evangelical men expected um, women, the women that they married to be virgins and were upset if they weren't. Right. That is Mm -hmm. that is still them engaging in objectification of women that's not a person that's an object you're looking to consume and that's still wrong and it's still a sin
0: mic drop except (laughs) these mics are connected (laughs) so if we can't they're probably really expensive yeah Yeah, super expensive (laughs) so i remember my mom told me in high school she was friends uh with this guy and he was talking about like how he wanted he wanted his wife to be a virgin i was like how do y'all get on that conversation (laughs) i don't know basically he was saying that he wanted to marry a virgin and my mom was like are you and he was like well no but like that doesn't like what does that yeah. have to do with it? My mom was like, "Uh, what? Like you tend to in dating like kind of gauge the other person based on like yourself." So she was like, "So how are you gonna like find that? Why do you like need that? Like that's that yeah. doesn't make sense." So I like when you said that I like brought up that story where I was just thinking yeah. about that, and I was like, "That's so weird that that's like expected."
1: in this guy wasn't Christian. Mm. Yeah, because purity culture, while, like, yes, we tend to talk about it in the evangelical space and, like, the 90s backlash from the se- sexual revolution, like, purity culture is a thing that's existed from, like, time in memoriam and across cultures, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think of, I can't remember her name, which is terrible, slash, I wouldn't be able to pronounce it, but the young woman in Iran who was just killed um, by the morality police because her hair was showing, right? Um, like, and also, if you're looking to that story to justify your Islamophobia, like, take it somewhere else, but... Um, Mm-hmm. I, I don't want that to be a thing that people latch on to. Uh, but this idea like women have been objectified and like valued or devalued based on their sexual choices, like across time and culture. Right. Um, it just looks differently in, in whatever space that you're in. So even mm-hmm. this guy that you're talking about, right, who wasn't a Christian, still had this message in him that like he was supposed to own whatever woman he wound up with and that her sexual choices. And if she made different sexual choices before they met uh, meant that um, he didn't own her fully or she wasn't something that he could fully consume. Um, so yeah, it's a message that exists in culture outside of our faith space.
0: Yeah, and then we should be a space where that's not happening. We even should, exactly. even if it's happening everywhere else in the world, that's what would make us different, not being on the other side of the spectrum.
1: Completely. We should be this space where we so value um, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We so value anyone created in the image of God, which is everyone, that we have this, we have this attractive sexual ethic because we should be a people that teach enthusiastic consent, that um, talk about being selfless and generous in your sexual relationships in the context of marriage. We should be a people who are the first ones to condemn acts of sexual violence because it is our faith that informs our ethic that says that the, that our bodies and ourselves are made in the image of God. So we should really be the, as Dr. King said, the headlights of justice, but too often we're the taillights because mm-hmm. we've been imitating the world instead of like living out the kingdom. Facts. <laughs>
0: know christians will like they'll see like a movement and then they get mad that it's like not christian so they won't support it and you're Mm. like if you were just spearheading it then you could have you could have done that yeah there's a a lot lot of work to do (laughs) yeah uh so you mentioned in your talk this like very this very like agreed upon logic of men are sexual beings without much feeling and women are emotional beings without much sexuality And I kind of want to talk about how does this dehumanize men and shame women?
1: Yeah. So I think that we have told men that we don't expect them to um, embody one of the fruits of the spirit, which is self-control. All believers have access to the fruits of the spirit. Uh, And it's not like, well, women are going to be more patient and kind and men are going to be this and this. It's like, no, this is what this is what Paul says are the marks of mature Christians and he doesn't say here's the marks of mature women here's the marks of mature men right and when you look at the list it sounds like a lot of women sounds pretty it sounds like qualities our culture has deemed feminine but actually they're Christian qualities or they should be So um, we have, again, like bought into this worldly narrative that like men are animals who have no ability for self-control. And but somehow we're told, oh, no, that's true. And we just need to make accommodations for it. Like you should you just shouldn't wear tank tops. And that'll solve it, which just it's not it would have been solved it's, it would have been solved yeah Um. Uh, and also if you're going to think biblically about everything what does Jesus say it says like if you look at a woman with lust in your heart gouge that thing gouge out gouge your eye out right it's not like tell her that she's bad and make her go hide herself right which mm-hmm. also I think it's important to distinguish because I think maybe along the lines we got our wires crossed and we thought we defined lust as like any sexual attraction which that's not what that means like lust is the desire to like own or manipulate or exploit that which does not belong to you right so that's what jesus is condemning um so yeah we we sold young men this narrative that they are terrible and we don't expect them to be anything different um and then we told i think largely because it's been men writing these narratives they didn't check in with women to be like do you have sexual desire and so instead we've had this story of like women don't have sexual desire they just want to have their feelings i don't know and go like spin in a field of flowers um and so instead of embracing our full humanity we've segmented ourselves into these half lives um and i think that that's really damaged men into thinking that they are somehow inherently terrible when I, like, I'm a big fan. I have several men in my life that I really enjoy <laughs> and love and who who are champions of those who are vulnerable and weaker than they are and who exercise self exercise self-control um, on the regular. But it's not.
0: It's easy when you set the standard low, like when they slip up, it's like, well, that's just boys will
1: be boys. Boys will be boys. Right. Mm. Like when in what other area do we apply that to like, well, like any other sin? Oh, yeah. No like absolutely not that's not biblical
0: 100% hard pass hard pass okay so wrapping up I have one last question which will probably be (laughs) a longer one well it is a longer one but longer answer you know Um, but my question is how can Christians talk about the sacredness of sex without putting shame and blame on those around them who aren't virgins for a variety of reasons Uh, whether they're Christian or not and how can we engage in these conversations well Because I definitely find myself like I have friends who are sexually active, who are Christians and who aren't. And it feels like they think that I'm like actively judging them and like Mm -hmm. I'm mad at them. And I don't want that. But it doesn't feel genuine to be like, I'm not judging you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just like assumed because you're a Christian that it's like, oh, you're like looking down on them. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. So how can we make this because you you emphasize the end of your talk, like pursuing holiness instead of purity. Um, so tell me a little bit more about that and kind of how that intertwines with the question.
1: Weirdly, I'm not going to have three easy bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh. Dang it. Um, because so much of like these conversations happen in the context of a relationship, right? 100%. And like the specific relationship that you have with that person. I, but I do. The thing that comes to mind is that the older that I got and like even in my time at Biola, in whatever capacity, if I did have a friend tell me that like they were sleeping with their boyfriend or whatever, I, I tried to have like my first question be. And how are you? Like, how do you feel about it? And not in like a how do you feel about it, and I'm hoping you feel bad, but like <laughs> checking in, like how are you feeling about that experience, right? Um, like how is your heart? And but a real how is your like, heart? A, but a real how is your heart? Um, and uh, are you being safe? <laughs> we might have to cut that out. I don't know. Um, but because my Christian values lead me to care about that person. <laughs> yeah. And 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 that includes their health, right? And also is this something you wanted to do? Like are was were and are your desires and your wants and the things that you don't want being respected. Um because I don't think asking any of those questions is condoning those actions, but 100%. It, but it is showing like Christ like care for the state of their Physical and spiritual being, and so it—the message has been sent, right? Like wh- that, Christians believe that sex is for marriage, right? So, like, nobody needs us reiterating that.
0: That's what I'm <laughs> like, saying. Message, like, yeah.
1: Message received.
0: Um, and <laughs> you don't have to ask anyone walking on the street what do Christians think about sex for marriage. Right? They'll tell you.
1: And so, but I, but I do think that if I am embodying like a true, robust, holistic Christian sexual ethic, like I get, I should be caring for that person in ways that go beyond like, well, you shouldn't be doing that. Right. Um, so that is how I would engage that. And also because shame thrives in silence and in isolation, making sure that that person always knows that they can talk to me about it always, because when you are making choices in isolation and outside of your community and you don't have anyone that you are talking to about it, that is where things like abuse and violence can thrive. And that is where like unhealthy choices get made when you feel isolated and like no one cares or that you wouldn't have anyone to tell if something bad started to happen. Um, and so I think honestly, so Lisa and I have also worked together at Biola on issues like sexual violence, because unfortunately between the mix of like purity culture um, well, first of all, like only half of survivors come forward anyway because it's sexual violence is fraught with stigma um, and and shame. But then you add on purity culture on top of it, you have even fewer people coming forward um, because we have like this toxic cocktail of of circumstances and or cultural elements. Um so just making sure that that person knows that I, I'm someone that they can talk to. I think that's the biggest and best thing any of us can do for friends who are making choices um, that are outside of what we believe to be right, uh, but embodying Christ-like love for that person consistently.
0: That's great. That's super practical because I've definitely been in those moments and be like, I don't know what to say, but I don't want to I don't want them to feel like I'm judging them and I want to support them. But I also don't want to be like that is a super awesome choice right you know. right like i don't want to like back down on what i believe right um that is like best for their like what they were designed for yeah. but i also don't want to cause shame because that's literally never helpful
1: right ever it's a it's a weak motivator like it's a it's a quick motivator but it doesn't last right Mm -hmm. so nobody is gonna be like I'm gonna stop having sex with my boyfriend because of shame like maybe for a little bit but it has to be because of a life marked by Christian sexual ethics is so attractive and beautiful right and they want to be they don't want anything they have or hold to be out of step with the goodness of God that's the thing that like motivates us to move forward and make choices in line with with scripture it's shame might like stop us from our crap for like a minute But it's not the thing that's going to propel us forward into goodness. And that's what we want people to to be. That We want people to be propelled forward to goodness and to thrive.
0: Yeah. I think finishing up, I should have you read your own quote. (laughs) I have it highlighted um,
1: on our little doc. There we go. Perfect. So, yeah, this is a a direct quote from Rachel Held Evans um, where she said that holiness isn't about sticking to a list of rules. It isn't something you either have or don't have, something you keep or you lose. It is a way of life. Filled with twists and turns, mistakes and growth, uncertainty and reward.
0: That was a great reading. Good job. Thank you. Communications major. Communication. Classic.
1: (laughs) Anything she wrote, it's easy.
0: Thank you for joining us today. It was great talking to you and hearing your wisdom. And it's just really encouraging to see, like, not sacrificing Christian values, but elevating them even higher than Christians do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Great work there. I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing and that the work, the thing that Lisa and I got to start is being carried forward with like some truly phenomenal women here at Viola. So thank you. Thank
0: you. You know, the day, this is literally from my Pinterest quote board, the day that you sow the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Amen. 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 Right? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Did I Talk Too Much? If you enjoyed this week's episode, we would love to hear from you. You can leave a rating and a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. To make sure you don't miss an episode every other week, be sure to subscribe. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram as well to get the latest updates on upcoming events, new blogs, and question boxes where you have the chance to have your questions answered on the podcast. Our Instagram is at grit at Biola. Our blog is linked in our Instagram bio where you can hear from our staff writers and read more about our mission. Thanks again for tuning in. The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily represent the beliefs of Biola University or the Grit Editorial Board. All content is designed to inspire and challenge Grit listeners to explore their gifting, foster resilience, gain insight, and develop tenacity.